0: Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and today's guest is the comedian, musician, and band leader on The Late Late Show with James Corden, Reggie Watts. We talk about his new app for the iPhone, Watts App by Reggie Watts. We also go deep on Reggie's love-hate relationship with technology and what it's like interviewing Jack White while being filmed by drones. I should note that this interview was recorded at the beginning of July. I don't think I've formally declared a theme on uh, one of this podcast episodes, but I feel like researching, well, not researching, but getting to play with your app as well as um, kind of going to some stuff I know about you and seems some specials. It does seem like the theme of technology is helpful, but also slightly hurtful is, is something that comes up a lot with you.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have like an ongoing love hate relationship with technology since I was since I was a little kid. I'm just always continually disappointed that it, it is not living up to the promise <laughs> that, that people talked about. The, the the thing is like a lot of these problems could be averted, but I think the issue is propriety and capitalism, like the, the how they work hand in hand. They kind of do a disservice to progress when it comes to technology. You know, like we. Technology should be very, very easy to use. It should be more universal. Like, you know, things should be unified, but everybody's fighting for, like, no, this button combination is better than that co- button combination. When you log on to our app, you'll have to go to settings. Well, with our app, you don't have to go to settings. It automatically does this. But what if I don't want, you know, it's like so many choices for basically only five things we need to do, <laughs> which is to either, if you're talking about communication or data exchange or whatever, working on projects, you're just talking about video, audio, photographs, words, and graphics. That's kind of it. That's all That's all we're doing. We're just exchanging those things. Pretty simple stuff, but for some reason, they just make a mountain of complexity over it, and it's uh, very, very frustrating for me.
0: Then you have the people who not only make it complicated, whether they think it's complicated or not, but then they add the fact that, you know what? I want to get a little more from you than just you using my app. I want to get your information or the data, and I think that's also caused this whole other side of complications with just the technology we use. Oh, gosh,
1: yes, 100%. I mean, you know, when I created my app, WhatsApp, one of the reasons for creating it is I wanted to have a place that people who enjoy what I do can go to and they're not being tracked and there's no advertising, you know, aside from the usual things like how many people downloaded the app uh, or basic metrics, like how often did people use it? You know, uh, I think that those are fair game, but like, uh, you know, I'm not capturing behavioral data and statistics and selling it to, you know, advertisers. And I think when you add that element, again, it's that capitalistic little parasite that wedges its way into um you know our lives and especially now in a way that's like very unwilling like i i, I don't i mean i'm glad i'm glad to see that ios 14 and like the new operating systems that are uh, being offered from apple are really privacy focused and i like that they're you know doing that whatever nutritional menu when it comes to what their track what apps are tracking and so forth i think uh the more that that becomes exposed the more i think people are going to realize i mean some people are going to be like i don't care you know it's the same feeling that you get when you scroll through a eula (laughs) it's like whatever i don't care what you're tracking oh you're tracking my bank account information i don't care i need to
0: i need to do a tiktok the tiktok and the privacy tracking and then Obviously, the pandemic times, Zoom has been the video chat of choice. is this haunted by privacy issues even before the pandemic? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's very strange that, you know,
1: I mean, again, because of the, the privacy tracking thing, but then you put on top of that apps that are created by countries that have governments that monitor and track their populaces. So, you know, you have like two of the most popular apps, which come from China. And I don't, I'm not faulting this isn't a thing like, you know, them Chinese. It's not, it's, it's not that attitude at all. It could be anybody, it could, be the, it could be the Germans, could be, the, you know, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, if there's a government that's known for suppressing, tracking its population and editing and censoring and all of that stuff. And then you have these companies that come from there and then are offering these massive, so successfully social uh, applications. Who's to say that the government wouldn't figure out some kind of a way to leverage that data, you know, in the future. And then also. So the, the security privacy uh, or security concerns on top of that so it's you know and i don't fault the company for it i think that they they're doing great work obviously people like what they've created but you know there's this other level of like oh where did this come from oh this came from a country that oh yeah right they don't believe in uh democratic rights for all people okay huh should we be using this you know, there's, there's a whole <laughs> other layer. But people are like, you know what? Screw it. Got to do my TikTok.
0: Well, and I honestly did not intend to get in this conversation with you, but I'm ha- I, I feel like I kind of straddle the line between like a comedy nerd person, but also yeah. I, I review stuff. I got to look at iOS 14. I'm actually trying to pull up the app store on the little de- developer thing here to see what your data nutritional thing is. I think that's always been very appealing. Uh, about what I like about you is the fact that you are very informed about the tools you use and the technology and the, and the consequences, but also those little areas of ambiguity that you can kind of bring out. And I, I wanted to talk about your app, WhatsApp. And is it WhatsApp by Reggie Watts or is it WhatsApp?
1: It's supposed to be just WhatsApp, you know, but um, I think they had to put by Reggie Watts to make it easier to find because when people put in WhatsApp in the search field, it generally doesn't come up with anything because I think that there's not enough uh, association, you know, or whatever the ranking, however that that works, Um, so it doesn't come up. So yeah, but we put Reggie Watts on there so that you could just put in Reggie Watts and you'd find it.
0: And honestly, I did not hear about this until yesterday, and I've been—I've already had four people download. I'm like, just download this thing. It's so, and it's both like. Ridiculous in some ways. Yes. And yet, other times, it's just very thoughtful and almost like there's almost like a transcendental quality if an app could have that.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I just wanted it to be like a cool space, you know, for people to go to and just it's like my own multimedia channel, you know, and I'm certainly not the first to do this, but my thing is like offer as much transparency and clarity when it comes to an artist. I mean, I think an artist's responsibility is, you know, to be in control over, uh, the tools they use and the experiences that they provide. And, uh, so for me and apps obviously are very, very expensive to develop. And I got lucky and found an amazing person through, a couple other amazing uh, people. I went in and told him the aesthetics that I was looking for and so forth and he got it completely and what he designed and what we worked on together was exactly the right vibe. But mainly it's just I wanted a place where people can just go and go, you know what, there's nothing more to it than what I'm seeing. You know, if I want to buy something from the store, I can just buy something from the store, and it's very plain to see. There's no hidden cost. There's not going to be an in-app purchase. There's not, none of that crap is going to exist. It's just me. Here's all the stuff that I make. Hey, and at some point we'll, we might add a tip jar just for maintenance and you know running it. But again, that's very transparent. I call it the direct economy. The more that people can participate in the direct economy and the more that I can show other artists, oh, see this app that I built for a fraction of the cost that other developers would charge for it? My goal is to offer that as a template for other uh, artists to have their own apps and experiences and then also create a way for those to be interlinked to a certain degree.
0: Well, I have to say, like, uh, even though I've had it for less than a day, I turn the notifications on, which that's a big deal for me, at least, because I do not want to be notified by stupid apps. But I got notified by you this morning. I got a WTF is socio musicology, uh-huh. which is one of the, I don't know, I, I guess they're videos, a little video series or segments throughout which we have everything from life. It just keeps happening, which I <laughs> think is the funniest thing ever. Um, my favorite is the drone versations, which I know some of these were kind of you've, you've done before and are kind of collating them here. Yeah. Uh, but if we could talk a little bit about like, what are you adding to this app uh, as far as like, consuming content as far as what people can expect.
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know, Droneversations is definitely a a series that I had the idea for a while. And then as uh, I came to produce the The idea around the same time that i was developing the app considering developing the app so i kind of view it as like an exclusive you know series within the app and and i'm trying to create more exclusive experiences so part of what i'm doing is creating um and partnering and collaborating with people uh, and creating exclusive content for whatsapp there's also uh the ability to use geo-locational based media so uh you know i can assign media to a location uh, again, if you played Pokemon Go or anything like that, it's kind of similar. But uh, so if I released a single, you'd have to go to a specific tree in a park, you know, uh, <laughs> to, to listen to it. Or I might just have like a cute little message to tell you, you know, by and, and a several locations that you go to. Um, so there's like kind of interactivity there. And then there's no social component on the app. So there's no way for people to, you know, comment. And, you know, it's just a place where you go to experience the app and it's kind of a one on one thing. And I enjoy that. I think it's kind of it takes a break. I think we have too many, you know, forms of intercommunication um, when it comes to social media. So, yeah, so the future is kind of like more exclusive content, um, some live streaming events, uh, some more interesting things on the store. We're developing uh, the app for Android uh, starting. Uh, he's going to start work on July 1st. So hopefully that'll be out in September ish. And so then we'll have all the mobile platforms available and then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do some special things here and there. But yeah, that's that's the plan uh, in the immediate future.
0: One second to conversations, specifically the one with jack white when you guys are indoors with the drones mm-hmm. like that just seems insane like was it to be talking with drones that close to your head and body yeah what was that like um it was it was
1: so awesome and he's obviously a really busy dude and also not an easy guy to get a hold of you know he, he doesn't have a mo- mobile phone he doesn't do mobile phones he only does an email You know, and it was just great to contact him. And it just worked out that he was in town. And I know his tour manager really well, Lalo, who's just a saint. And so, you know, we managed, he managed to carve out just like enough time. And the cool thing about Droneversations that I was really happy about, because I love designing production systems. Like that's kind of my engineering side. Like any, any artistic adventure uh, or venture that I'm uh, planning on embarking on, I'm designing the production method, you know, because I want it to be, the least stressful, fastest, just easiest experience possible. And, and so, uh, you know, and with Jack, I was like, uh, we only need you for an hour. And it was exactly an hour. He got in and and out, but just sat there. He was like super chill. Cause the whole thing, the only thing I tell my guests uh, is that, uh, we pretend that the the drones aren't there, you know, we we carry on as though this is a normal way that anything is, it's a way that we've always shot things, you know? So all that to say, it was great that he was such a great sport to like, okay, let's just do this. And, uh, and then when we did that, I was so excited about doing the indoors uh, thing because it's just so stupid. It's so stupid to have drones inside. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. You know?
0: And that's why it's amazing. <laughs> I want to talk about the shop because that's also pretty exciting. So there is an aspect where I can buy things on the app. So what's the idea behind the shop?
1: I buy a lot of technology because a, I'm not the type of person that like tries to submit to you know companies and promote their products and to get free products and stuff like that. I don't really care about that. I just want to know is this a good product or not? I'm always interested in like, oh, there's this new technology with this headphone. So I, you know let me try these headphones. So they're supposed to do this and you know they're designed this way. And so I buy a lot of stuff and then it piles up. And in the past, I just kind of gave it away <laughs> to friends, you know? And, uh, you know, when the app came along, I was like, oh, man, it'd be so cool to have a store. That way I could just get rid of all my old electronics. And that's really where it came from. It's just a way of kind of giving people deals, <laughs> you know, uh, for, for things, you know, when a headphone comes out or whatever. And it's like, I mean, I've, a lot of some of the stuff that I'm selling on there is like brand new stuff, you know, like iPad, Magic Keyboard, and you know things of that nature uh and it's just great it makes me feel good to like well here's that product for way cheaper
0: well i want to ask you is there a piece of uh, tech or electronics that you've bought that you could never imagine selling
1: you know that's the thing about technology it's very very seldom does something come out that has a personality you know that's strong enough uh to to hold on to uh because you know the nature of technology is that it always changes and so therefore you know i'm always willing to upgrade uh but i would say probably some some headphones that i get are keepers for sure just headphones are you know kind of like shoes in a way you know for some people they they have that element of design style functionality but you know to an audiophile obviously those things are important but the most important thing is do they sound great and are they comfortable to wear and on occasion, I, I got some campfire audio uh, headphones called uh, Solaris. Those are insane. I could never imagine getting rid of those. They they just sound incredible. Or my early Sennheiser like, HD 650s, I believe. And then I have some 800s. And, and those those are really nice. And uh, also, uh, I think uh, so. some headphones, definitely, for sure, I would not dream of getting rid of. But a lot of other technologies I have are, Kind of dispensable.
0: Now, I get what you're saying. And I'm wondering, too, since we're ta- we've been talking a lot about apps and kind of the, the pros and cons of especially social media apps. I'm curious, like, what is your relationship with your phone? Since I was a kid, I've been fascinated with,
1: you know, the idea of tiny handheld computers. And, uh, you know, I was like the only kid in elementary school that had an organizer you know, an electronic, (laughs) an electronic address book, you know, and I was getting my friend's phone numbers and entering them into an address book that held 20 numbers. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, you know, I I grew up like, and as you know, in in, in the 90s, I was buying personal, you know, PDAs, you know, uh, Sharp Zaurus, you know, uh, Compact IPAC, uh, you know,
0: Oh yeah, uh, i remember those
1: you yeah. know those and you know hp i forgot hp had one too and uh you know so so i was i was always getting those and some of those had modems you know like the collapsible uh mini modem and i was doing emails on the fly like hey can i can i borrow your phone cord for a second you know like so so i was do, i was doing that and then obviously I got, I got like one of the early you know i got a star when those came out i was poor but i don't know how i was able to still get these things but uh <laughs> you know, StarTac, Star two-way pagers, uh, so on and so forth. And, of course, when cameras started getting integrated into cell phones, um, which was really kind of uh, – uh, I remember I got the Sony Ericsson. I forget the name, the model, but it was the first dubbed smartphone. And uh, it had a camera, and it had a Bluetooth, and I had the very first pair of Bluetooth uh, headphones also made by uh, Sony Ericsson. So I had that phone, and then I switched to Nokia. Nokia started – you know, they had – all kinds of crazy. They were they were crazy phones. Actually, I almost prefer the era of Nokia with like an integrated uh, optical lens camera that had like a twistable orientation. You know, and they were dubbing them like communications computers. Uh, and I love that idea. That was uh, felt more like the future than now. All, all that to say that I've had this huge experience with PDAs, cellular communications technology, the convergence of those technologies, um, and you know, seeing that evolve through time. So, you know, I've always had some kind of a small gadget on me. I'm definitely addicted to news, and I have to take breaks away from that. But you know, I'll watch news, or I, uh, if I go to the gym, I'm watching a video on it. You know, or I'm taking pictures. So, I use it all the time. It's definitely a part of my everyday life and, you know, keeping in contact with many, many people and, uh, you know, or having an interview, you know, so it's, it's very useful. I don't want to go to the level at which I would say it's indispensable. uh, And I hope no one feels that way. But, uh, you know, and I also have an Apple watch. So sometimes I will leave my phone and just have the watch, uh, which is kind of going back to two way pager days. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's a mixed, you know, mixed relationship. I'm sure everybody has with, with their, Portable, whatever you call it, uh, inter- internet communication device. But uh yeah, so it's necessary. But at the same time, I try to remind myself that it's not who I am.
0: Say so you mentioned um, having that that first device when you were a kid. What did you want to be when you were a kid? When you like, when did you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> well, for a long time, I was interested in being an aeronautical engineer,
1: but. I think I just like the sound of it. (laughs) Because I was terrible at math. So uh, I think all of my life I've I've kind of viewed myself as a kind of inventor engineer. I love engineering, I have great respect for engineers and engineering and uh, user interface design, designers and engineers. I have definitely fancied myself an amateur version of that. And then mix on top of that, the performance aspect that I have I'm, I, I view myself as a combination test pilots and uh, engineering team, you know, for, my, for myself. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I want, to, I want to always make things more efficient. I want to optimize uh, technology and I want technology to work for myself very easily. And, and in turn, I believe if I can develop something that's easy to use for myself, I'm pretty sure it would translate to a lot of other people. place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Uh, mixed with performer.
0: So, the name of our podcast is called I'm So Obsessed. What are you currently so obsessed with?
1: I guess I'm obsessed with optimization. And Always have been, you know, I just I, and, and being and remaining pragmatic, like even in the face of some of the most polarizing topics, I believe that maintaining a pragmatic approach to problem solving and not getting involved in binary uh, emotional uh, reactions to said problems is kind of my thing that I'm, I'm obsessed with. One of my hopes for optimization in the future is, you know, more of a decentralized approach to the Internet. Um, and I hope that sites like uh, Facebook, which uh, I refuse to use for the last eight years, just you know make, make some calls that take. Well, I just hope that the, I hope that I hope that platforms like that take responsibility for their platforms, and also to realize that they could go to a subscription model. You know, it's like if you know a lot of Facebook's problems could be solved through just not, stop relying on on analytics that are stolen from people and uh, and selling them for not and not compensating people back for it. And just like go to just you know do do a subscription model. Look at Netflix; they it's it's doing fine. Um, so so I guess my hope for optimization is large social networking sites taking more responsibility for uh having a bit of a philosophy when it comes to the way that humans should treat each other doesn't necessarily have to be editing and like and like banning people but definitely trying to to promote a type of culture that's more respectful uh of of everyone on there and then uh yeah and decentralized just meaning more more privacy more control over how our data is used and we should be compensated for the data that we're allowing to be tracked
0: yeah, this is not a new idea, but I, uh, I think it was like Walt Marsberg uh, pitched the idea of like an opting in versus having to opt out of something. And it's such a simple turn of phrase, but the idea of I let I will allow you to share my data and in return, you're going to give me this, whether it's like a financial thing or yeah. access or something like that. Something like this, giving more power. And that's not just only Facebook, obviously, yeah. but, um, but small things like that that are actual tools that consumers can know and, and see on their phone. Yeah. And going back to that uh, iOS 14, we we're talking about like the kind of the data nutrition or the, um, your privacy nutrition, stuff like that is again, the smallest steps toward that. So I am optimistic, but there does, there are times where I get really down about stuff like that too.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean the, 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 the biggest you know, the biggest culprit, right? Why any of this exists in the first place is because of, you know, capitalism. It's just like, it's a, it's a late stage capital capitalism game where like everyone thinks that, you know, you need to grow at any, at any cost. And, you know, you've got to, if you've gone public with your company, now you're held responsible to a board uh, and investors and investors will oftentimes always vote for things that are not in the interest of human well uh, only for profit. And so, there's a huge problem. Someone needs to innovate a platform that includes human well-being somehow, um, and then moves away from advertising and and, and tracking, and but it can still be very very successful. And when a when a site does that, I think that it, it will help greatly uh, in the arena of uh, privacy, uh, security, and then creating an opt-in culture where we are compensated for opting in. Um, you know, and we can make money for just like, well, yeah, I'm doing stuff and. You think I'm an interesting demographic and you want to track me. Well, I'm going to allow you to do that, but you're going to have to give me something in return. So, you know, I and I and I hear you. It's definitely it's tough because when you think about capitalism, like for for the most part, (laughs) it's like it's like you got to keep growing. It's like you got to keep growing at any cost. It's like, yeah, but what if what if these people get hurt because of these things that we're allowing on there? And it's like, oh, it doesn't matter as long as we keep making money. That's all we care. I mean, that's essentially the vibe. And and that's terrible. It's just like it's it's terrible. And the other thing is like it doesn't have to be that way. It's it's much easier to do things for that make people feel confident about you that that you're thinking about their well-being. Like people want to know that you are thinking about them and it doesn't make any sense to do things not in that vein. And I think that the future, hopefully people will keep demanding it or someone will innovate a site that becomes so successful, other companies will have to follow suit. We'll see, but I'm gonna keep fighting, fighting for that because I just believe the internet should be what it was always supposed to be. It's just a just a communication network. It shouldn't be monopolized. You know, It should be for everybody. And if decentralization is a thing, it kind of moves it more into the original vision of what the internet was. Um, So I don't know. We'll see. A lot of problems.
0: It sounds like kind of the root of a lot of that is problem solving. I mean, just at the heart of whether it's like um, problem solving as a kid with your PD or the address book to problem solving with your app, WhatsApp. So on The Late Late Show, the band, which most of us had no idea, had the name Karen. Was recently renamed. Where did the name Karen come from for the band, and what's the new name of the band on the Late Late Show?
1: Yeah, uh, well, my friend Daniel Spills, uh, who lives in Seattle, he's this amazing. I guess he's a problem solver kind of, He gets hired by tech companies to kind of manage groups of people and optimize them. And but he was also the keyboardist in my uh, earlier band in the in the nineties called Mach Two, and we. It came up with this joke one point where we thought it would be hilarious if like a really hardcore like metal band uh, named themselves Karen. (laughs) We just, I don't know, we just thought that was really funny. And uh, and then when I, you know, was asked to put together a band for the show, I just immediately was like, oh, I want to use that. We'll just call the band Karen. It's stupid. And that's where it came from. There was like nobody that inspired the name. We just kind of, you know, came up with it. And then, yeah, and then flash forward to today the term karen is now something else and so you know my drummer brought up the thing because i didn't even know about the karen phenomena at first and he brought it up and then of course it then started coming out more and more and uh so then i just we were bouncing around a bunch of names and i was determined to find a, a good name for it so i finally settled on melissa <laughs>
0: <laughs> amazing <laughs> oh man and i would go see that i would go see that metal band named karen by the way i would i think that would be a good show
1: oh man i think it would be great i i have a i have a I, i've wanted to do like a heavy metal version uh band but i i i decided to change the name slightly to charon
0: <laughs> it's really the, good. The, the, the boatman of hell
1: so i think that that's more appropriate but it's kind of like an evolution so i think i can use that in the future
0: and in a weird way, Karen is kind of our uh, modern day boatman of hell, at least in social media. Oh, no, that, that's so. true. That's
1: true. Karen, yeah, Karen is a Karen has come a long way from the river sticks. Karen has come a long to way to a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and then that's why I was like, so you've done the Late Late Show for a while. What's your relationship like with James Corden, and how has it changed over the years?
1: Oh, it's terrible. He's uh, super mean <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> No, no, uh, no, it's amazing. Um, He's he's a really cool guy. When James approached me in the beginning, uh, I think we met at a hotel he was staying at. You know, I talked about all the stuff I'd be looking for because it was a hard decision for me because I just left Comedy Bang Bang. And I didn't want to get involved in something that has like a really intense, long production schedule, uh, because, again, I'm an optimizer. I'm really interested in efficiency, and I only want to be around for the amount of time I'm required for something to occur. And in production, there's just a lot of inefficiencies, just a lot of time wasted, people just just sitting around for a really long time doing nothing. So I voiced those concerns and told him, this is the system I want to design for the band. And he was totally down. He was like, Oh, sounds cool. Yeah, do that. (laughs) And and so that's kind of where it started. And, you know, and everything that we talked about at that meeting, he has totally held up that end of uh, his, his promise, you know, to, to giving me autonomy and uh, letting me design the system that I want to design for the show. And that's been really great. But when we do see each other and the, the conversations we do get into, he he's just a very generous person, a very generous soul. And the, the thing that really pushed me over the edge with him is, uh, you know, when we started when this COVID thing came around and the show was you know not happening for a while and they were trying to figure out how to do the show. And then when they realized, oh, OK, we'll do the show over Zoom, not my favorite, but we, we decided to do the, the show over Zoom. I learned that James was compensating a lot of the staff, you know, personally, um, to ensure that they, you know, kept getting money. And I think that that says a lot about uh, where James' priority is, like he, he values treating uh, the people who work on the show with the utmost respect. And that really meant a lot to me. So. You know, I, I learn stuff about him all the time. And uh, even though our schedules, you know, we have different lifestyles. He's a family guy. I'm a, like a single weirdo tech, technology virtual person running around like a chicken with its head cut off. We still agree on the aspects of mutual respect and generosity and taking responsibility for our platforms. So it's it's pretty rad.
0: I'd like to wrap up with a a quick thing called pick one. And I give you a couple choices and you pick one. Um, It doesn't have to be which one's better or which one you favorite more, but just what's there. And it's okay to talk it out. So, okay. So the first one I have is AR or VR.
1: Wowzers McGillicuddy. That's a real tough one. I guess I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to pick VR. And I'm picking VR only because I think VR gives you the most options, and AR is still like a ways off, you know, unless Apple comes up with some magic glasses that they're all. Everyone's always saying they're working on, but uh, VR is already here. Uh, I think that there's much. It's a much more robust environment. Plus, the new XR cross-platform standard has been initiated, and everybody's jumping on board there. So we're going to get less fragmentation in the segment. So I, I'm pretty down with VR. All
0: right, next one: violin or keyboard
1: keyboard much more versatile um i can simulate a violin on a keyboard and uh I, you know i think if you had obviously if you don't have electricity and we were talking about an electric keyboard then you're screwed but uh uh yeah i would say keyboard gives me the most options
0: la montana seattle or brooklyn
1: wow uh god that's so tough because seattle is a shot is a shadow of its former self from when i moved in 1990. Um, when I go there, I don't really have fun anymore. It seems like the fun is left the building. Um, I'm sure that there are going to be some Seattleites like, Hey, there's still some cool spots, you know, but there's no, like everybody I talked to, all the artists that are still living there are just like, yeah, it kind of sucks. Seattle's kind of got used up by uh, a corporate attack. Same thing with Brooklyn. Brooklyn got a, a, you know, a corporate bomb went off and the city just didn't give a f- about aesthetics, excuse my language, but aesthetics or the communities, um, and so then you get all this like shoddily built construction, knocking over really amazing heritage buildings and, uh, you know, J Cruz moving in and Starbucks and all that crap. So they pretty much ruined the reason why people were moving there in the first place. So that kind of sucks. And then LA is like is super dope. There's tons of artists there. Everyone, almost everybody I know that was in Brooklyn moved to LA. So there's definitely a lot of opportunity and a lot of creative richness there. And then Montana is super dope because it's it's very, very open for possibilities. Like even in my hometown, I imagine creating a studio at some point. The culture isn't really there creatively necessarily but there's a lot of potential and i also believe in giving back to where you came from so i'd say for right now i'd probably stick with la even though it's having a hard time but i'd stick with la just because i think i can there's more opportunity there but i think in the future it's going to be montana
0: a couple more here iphone or android
1: i guess iphone uh only only in that they keep things they're very design focused on simplicity you know, sometimes it yields terrible decisions and a lot of frustrations for simple things they could fix but then they wait years before fixing them but in general i do like the aesthetics and where they're going i mean i do enjoy the google i know whatever you think of google i do enjoy the google operating system or i mean the google ecosystem in that like when i go on to my android and i'm doing all my google based stuff gmail and so forth it's so fun and fast and, and easy and obviously apple just puts a little bit of a difficulty factor on there but yeah so I mean they both have their you know and uh, you know one's a Ford one's a Porsche you know like but like
0: like <laughs> you know
1: it's like Android is like a, a Ford you know it's like an old Ford 150 it's like you can modify it you can like through through all these things on it that weren't on be, on there before Apple's like no no we've designed it this way and this is the way it should function you know so you know I don't know they are two different things but I would steer more towards iPhone
0: weird Al or Victor Borga
1: Mmm. I man, you know Weird Al had such a huge influence on me as a as a as a kid. You know when Eat It first came out, I just my mind was blown that like, oh well, this looks just like the Beat It video, but it's not Beat It, and it's Eat It and it's this dude. <laughs> I you know, it, it just blew me away. I was like, well, how is that even possible? How can you do that? I think I'd have to go with Victor Borga, only in that he was earlier and I'm sure Weird Al was influenced by him and he was a true monster virtuoso. Like, that guy was unstoppable on the keyboard, and he, and he was so good that he could just pretend like it's nothing, you know? It was like he could make jokes and do all these crazy, you know, gags using his music, musical ability. It, it was just absolutely awe-inspiring.
0: I want to thank Reggie for chatting with me, and I want to thank you for listening. WhatsApp is currently available to download from the App Store for free. If you enjoyed this interview, take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. And if you really like this episode, please rate it. Until next week, take care.